Welcome to another episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, and today I'm really excited to have on another Bobcat as well as our co-host, Fred Clare. Um, but Terry Reynolds is joining us today, the president of the Florida State League uh, in within minor league baseball and formerly with the Cincinnati Reds for a long time. Uh, the list goes on and on. And and Fred and Terry have got something in common in Dodger Town, so I'll let them uh, start to share some stories and, and talk about, um, Terry, where you started and, and how you got to where you are now. Uh, but welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Appreciate being here. Terry, good to have you with us. And um, I think um, your journey... Uh, from uh, Wisconsin and then Ohio University into uh, baseball and now 42 years uh, involved in the game at uh, levels from uh, general manager of minor league team to running Dodger Town, the spring training complex to key positions in uh, scouting and player development with the Dodgers and Reds is a really a good roadmap um, to follow uh, for those who have an interest and uh, want to get into the game and have an interest in the scouting area. So, Terry, why don't you um, kind of give the uh, that roadmap in terms of how you got to where you are now <laughs> as president of the Florida State League? Well, Fred, it's a, it's a roadmap that you do not chart at the beginning. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, when I left Wisconsin and went to Ohio University, I thought I was going to be a coach or in college basketball or some such and I got to Ohio U and spent my time there and then an internship opportunity came up with the the Albuquerque Dukes and the Pacific Coast League who at the time were owned by the Dodgers uh, and went to work there for Willie Sanchez and Rob Ogle and um, had a great season enjoyed every minute of it um, learned a lot did everything like every intern does in the minor leagues uh, found out the things I liked to do and found out the things I didn't like to do, uh, met great people. Uh, and then from there, I uh, was fortunate to get a job as a general manager uh, with the Daytona Beach Astros in the Florida State League. And so in 1979, uh, that was my first year in the Florida State League. So I've been around it and with it and uh, associated with it for a long time. Spent one year in Daytona. Uh, and at that time, I had a couple of visits from Charlie Blaney, who at the time was uh, running Dodger Town, um, had the golf courses and the citrus groves and everything that went with it. But they, uh, outside of spring training, they didn't have any baseball the rest of the year. And his intention and his, his thought was that they wanted to enter the Florida State League and put a team there. Uh, at the time, I didn't know that. I thought he was just coming up to see games. But as Charlie always would, he was doing his due diligence on me. Um, and fortunately, at the end of that year, he offered me a job at Dodger Town. Uh, came down uh, to Vero, uh, fell in love with the place, and spent uh, 79 to 88 uh, at Dodger Town. Wow. And then, so, and, so, and then a, a very key move to Los Angeles. Yeah, fortunately for me, um, during my time here, and, and one of the perks or bonuses uh, of having a minor league franchise that's owned by a big league team is you get to know a lot of people in the organization. And, um, you know, if, if you work hard and do your job and 
uh, it gets recognized. And fortunately for me, that happened. And I was offered a job uh, in 1988. I got there just before we won the World Series that year uh, to become the assistant scouting director under with uh, Fred as the general manager. And I'm forever grateful and appreciative of that opportunity. I uh, spent two years as Ben's assistant, uh, learning that into the business, uh, became the scouting director for the Reds uh, after that until 1998. And as Fred can testify, things changed drastically <laughs> about, about that time in Dodger history. Um, I did stay with the Dodgers in different roles, mostly in professional scouting, until 2004, uh, at which time I left to uh, become the scouting director for the Cincinnati Reds and then was with the Reds in various capacities, including scouting director, player development director, uh, assistant general manager for player personnel, uh, until January 1 when I became the president of the Florida State League. So uh, as I said, there's really no roadmap for that. It's just I've been really fortunate um, to be able to pursue a career in areas that I've really enjoyed, uh, player development, scouting, uh, now the president of the Florida State League back in the minor leagues, which was uh, a great experience and probably as much fun as I had anywhere in baseball my nine years in it while I was here. So uh, I don't know how you chart that, but you're just happy when you look back that you took that course. Well, I, you, I don't think you can chart, uh, Terry, of course, but what it does speak to is your – interest in sports uh you know not wanting not knowing whether you wanted to be a coach or in what capacity it would be and uh, and i think that's really the key part and so many young people who want to get in the, in the game and uh, and really uh, don't quite realize that any point where you start is really uh, an entry that can lead to uh, and many paths and many roads. And um, indeed, Terry, um, your son, uh, Jonathan, uh, is now working for the Cincinnati Reds as a scout. So he, too, uh, followed a path that took him to a position uh, that he uh, loved or wanted, wanted to be in and, uh, and enjoy. Yeah, and he, he, too, was an OIU Bobcat. Um, played for the Reds for a couple seasons and... Uh, in rookie ball, uh, during the summers, he would go up and intern in the Northwoods League. Uh, he did the video up there for, for Dick Raditz in the Northwoods League and got his feet wet in scouting with that, that way. And then uh, after he played for the Reds, was fortunate enough to be offered a, a opportunity with the Reds. And he's taken it and run with it. I think he told me the other day it's been six years now. So, um, you know, that's a diff- certainly a different path than I took and one to me that uh, – you know, if, if I could have started as a scout as opposed to an intern, I mean, I, I think back to I would have had a really tough choice to make. Terry, Terry. As, 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 as you've gone along, um, your experiences, you know, you mentioned uh, your son, Jr. playing. Did you play as well when you when you first um, were at Wisconsin or even before then? How did you kind of fall in love with the game of baseball that you've been in for so long? And nowadays, is it required to have played uh, to some extent uh, in order to get into the industry or, or are we seeing a shift away from that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of funny that you asked the question. I did play. I played in high school. I played through college uh, in Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater. Wasn't very good, um, but loved it. 
um, and never did play professionally. I mean, I went off to uh, get my master's degree in coach and then ended up at Ohio U in the sports ad program. Uh, but to get back to your question about having played back then when I started, it was, and Fred can uh, testify to this, it was a majority of the scouts and the player development people had played. And my generation was one of the first that came in that did, hadn't. Um, you know, I had played through college, but I hadn't played professional. That was kind of a, a, a change at the time. And uh, it was kind of hard at times. I mean, if you were kind of looked down on if you had not played professionally and, and you had to fight through that and you had to work hard and prove that you were worth the job that you had. And I think that over the last 30 years has really changed. And I'm not sure that uh, there are any qualifications at all anymore that you would have had to play. So it's, it's really changed in that regard. And a lot of the front offices now have, have people that never played. Is there, is there a distinction in, in, you know, your eyes from, from what you've seen over the years in the pro in the pro landscape and even seeing your son play uh, professionally to where you played in college Wisconsin Whitewater was D3, right? I think that's, that's correct. Yeah. You know, to where your experience was that vastly different. Was there a big um, jump that you just, you know, you didn't know what you didn't know, or uh, was it just the actual physical experience of playing at that level? Um, I think it's a combination. I mean, uh, playing at that level gives you a definite appreciation as you move through the minor leagues and, you know, we, we traveled, you know, in like our coach drove a green 1975 Pinto and we followed him in vans to where we played. And then I watched my son play in the Mac. And as you know, they, you know, they travel in a nice Ohio University bus. Right. My <laughs> daughter played basketball at the University of Iowa and they fly everywhere they go. And it's, you know, it's so it's all relative as to the level that you play at, what your expectations are. And, you know, we loved every minute in the car and the van and and I think JR and the guys loved every minute in the bus. And I know my daughter now and my son go at it all the time because he's on her all the time about how they travel. And boy, we never got that, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, I think the division you play at, the competition is all relative. And I think that, uh, you know, there are division three players that could play in division one. There's division one guys that probably should be playing in division three. And, um, you know, guys get missed. It's just like in any other sport. Uh, but there's a place for everybody, I think, is the is the bottom line in that. And if you want to play a college sport, there's probably a place that you can do it if you work hard. Kerry, now that the uh, the field of scouting is uh, more open to the degree, maybe a limited degree, but to the degree that you uh, don't have to have a professional career. Uh, on your resume, what what advice would you give that young person uh, who loves the game, uh, who has an interest in scouting? H- how do you evaluate the opportunities very candidly for that young person today? And what are your suggestions uh, to that young person? Well, there's a couple, Fred. Number one is, you know, there's no substitute for experience in scouting because it's all it's a everything's based on comparison. You know, what do you see in today compared to the guy you saw yesterday to the guy you saw a year ago to 10 years ago? Um, so my first suggestion would be if that's something that a young person wants to do, they should go find a scout in their area, uh, meet them, 
uh, introduce themselves, learn what it's all about, start going to games, um, find out what the scout looks for, and then see if they can go to a game and, and pick those things out and if it's something they're able to do. That being said, uh, scouting's changing a lot. I mean, as just as player development is, and it's going more and more uh, uh, statistics, statistics and, um, you know, the uh, stat cast and the, all the things that go with that. And I would suggest strongly that uh, young people learn all that. I mean, they've, it's the game has seismically shifted in the last five years from, you know, experience being the most important thing to understanding the analytics being the most important thing. And maybe it switches back at some point, maybe it doesn't, but you better understand the game itself and you better understand the analytics of the game. If you want to find a spot in the game. Terry, on that point, uh, analytics, obviously at the major league level, uh, has been indeed is a, a game changer, the game the way that the game is evaluated. Uh, that being said, uh, there's nothing harder than the evaluation of the amateur player. You know, when, you, when you're evaluating players at the major league level or even in professional baseball at various levels, you, you have a known and you have a tremendous amount of, uh, of information already compiled. But how, how today uh, are, or is the amateur player being evaluated uh, through and by analytics? Well, Fred, it's, it's, uh, let me answer it this way. The higher level of competition you play at, the more the analytics are available. Um, so if you're playing in the SEC or the Pac-12 or one of those conferences, a lot of the information that you have – in the major leagues, not all of it, obviously, but a lot of it is available at that level. And the lower you go, whether it be Division Two or Division Three, the less you have. And when you get into the high schools, uh, you've had very little of that. And that's where the pure scouting still has to happen. And even at the big league level and even at the higher AAA or AA level, the thing that people sometimes forget is you can have all the numbers you want, but those eyes in the ballpark are the ones that see how did this guy interact in the dugout? Does he hustle? How does he interact with his teammates? Does the manager trust and rely on him? Uh, how does he go about his business on the field? Is he prepared for every at bat? Uh, how did he warm up in the bullpen? Um, all those things are things that you can't see uh, on a data printout. Those are the things that the scouts in the ballpark have to give you. And, uh, Unless they can find a way to, to do that robotically, uh, I think that's going to be a continuing, very important part of the process of evaluating a player. I, I, I agree, Terry, and I think that's an excellent point. And it also speaks to um, the value of those scouts uh, in the park following the teams uh, at the amateur uh, level, and, and indeed even perhaps at, in professionally more so in the very low minors where you don't have all of the uh, technology. Are, are you seeing with all of your experience with the Reds, uh, before that, of course, with the Dodgers, a, a variance uh, in the way that clubs uh, deal in that area? In other words, um, 
Is there a, uh, uh, a separation in terms of manpower that is devoted uh, from uh, one team to another related to those eyes on the players um, in the amateur field? Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're seeing uh, a shift over the past few years of, you know, as scouts retire, uh, they may be replaced by an analyst in the office. Um, but the ironic thing, Fred, is that one of the old time and uh, additional scouting staffs in baseball is the Washington Nationals. And uh, the success they had this year, we hope, will kind of echo through the industry that uh, doing it that way still works. Now, that being said, the thing I always told our guys in, in Cincinnati, our our president and our general manager was, hey, I understand what's coming. The analytics are here and they're not going away, but you have to keep a balance. And the balance is you have the veteran scouts and they teach the young scouts. And you and then when you get to your meetings, you take your scouting material, you take your analytical material, and then the people in the room, the general manager, the, the scouts, the, analy the analysts, uh, the assistants, they have to take all that information, synthesize it, put it together, and then make the best decision they can. Terry, from a, from a from an analytical perspective, you know, it's one thing to have all the data, but it's another thing to know what to do with it or how to use it or in in your background how to coach it, right? Like there's there's a very defined um, way of going about it in the sense of, you know, everyone learns a little bit differently. Uh, what, what have you learned, you know, over the years about how, uh, the data needs to be taught differently to, to the coach, to teach to the player. And you've got all different types of players, different ages, you know, scouts, et cetera. Uh, great question, Jake. And I'm, I may be the worst guy to ask on that because I'm <laughs> on the, I, I'm on the dinosaur end of the analytics. I mean, I, I am, uh, you know, one of the reasons that I'm doing the job I'm doing today is that. All that stuff is great, and I appreciate it uh, very much. But I've, I've always thought the game was the thing. And mm -hmm. when the job became as much math and analytics as it did baseball, it just wasn't the same fun for me. But the, the, uh, you see a lot of guys um, now who have all this data. And, I mean, you've got – it's just – reams and reams and reams of information uh and to me that's the key now for all these teams is how in the world are you going to take this information put it all together and then make a decision on a 25-man roster and it's a it's a real challenge and it's it's real important that you have the right people making those calls so let's talk a little bit about where you are now and, and what you're doing uh, as president of florida state league what's you know Everyone would probably ask, okay, well, as the president, like, what's your day to day? You know, as a G, as you know, as Fred would probably say, as a GM, what's your day to day? What do you, what do you do every day? Yeah, um, that's a, it's a good question. I just spent November and December as an intern, uh, uh, <laughs> under, understudy to the former league president, Ken Carson, who was uh, outstanding and classy and helped me out a lot and, and does still every day today with questions that I have. Uh, I actually just took over officially on January 1. So uh, to give you a, a real profile of the job, I think I'd be lying to you if I tried. But the main responsibilities are um, 
I'm in charge of the umpires, uh, which will be new for me, but will be fun. Uh, obviously, I'm discipline, um, meetings with the managers, um, kind of a mentor to the general managers in the league since I've you know done everything they're doing now at one point in my career with the uh, running a minor league club and selling the promotions and everything that goes with it. Um, you know, the bookkeeping for the league. Um, so it's, uh, it's going to be much different than going out and scouting every day and seeing 150 to 200 games a year. But as I told the, the guys that I work for now that I, I will be in the park, I, you know, St. Louis Mets will be my home team and they'll be sick of me by the end of the year. <laughs> well, and, and, and to be, you know, to be frank, the, the scouting world is, is, a lot of people maybe think it's uh, you know a lot different. They think, well, you've got to you know maybe you had to have played or you, you know it's different watching a baseball game. But truly, down to the core, and Fred, correct me if I'm wrong, but the skill sets are all very similar. You know, if you're if you're trying to recruit the best team possible, that's gonna um, you know make your business succeed. You still need to go out and search for the right people that have the right skill sets that can you know, have future potential and, and growth and all that sort of stuff, right? I mean, um, how, how have the skill sets you've gained throughout your career set you up for, you know, a, a good run at, at what you're doing um, for the future? Well, the, the, the best part of, of my career has been that I've, t- I've touched a little bit on, on everything that's involved in this presidential job. You know, I've, I've been a minor league GM. I've been an assistant minor league GM. I, I understand everything that these guys are going through day to day, especially in this league with the rain and the tarp pulling and everything that goes with it. <clears throat> I've been on the player development side, so I understand when I have to talk to a farm director, whether it be about discipline or whatever it might be, that, that I've been in his shoes. And, and I think I know pretty well, you know, how to handle those situations and, and how, you know, what I'm going to hear as a response when those kind of situations arise. And then being a scouting director, you know, I've been around young players forever. So, you know, when I interact with the kids on the teams or the players on the teams, uh, I know what they're going through. You know, you know, people sometimes forget they're 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young men that some of them away from home for the first, second, third third time and uh, they've got a lot going on in their lives and the in competition and the slumps and everything that goes with it uh, unless you've seen it been through it with people it's uh, you know sometimes it's hard to understand so I think all those things together give me a pretty good feel and a pretty good picture of, of what this job's about and you know how to handle the situations that might come up. Terry, I think that's absolutely correct. And that's one of the reasons, as you know, that I gave you my highest recommendation (laughs) for the position. And, you know, Jake, what's interesting is here we have Terry as the president of the Florida State League. And the person who hired him uh, in a Dodger position is Charlie Blaney who is the president now, of course, (laughs) of the California League. So from coast to coast. But I, I think what it really speaks to, you see someone holding a position as president of a minor league, but the, uh, the paths of both uh, Terry and Charlie, although different, I really think speak to the, and having uh, had the pleasure to know uh, both of these uh, friends for many, many years, it speaks to the uh, passion that's required 
in any job in the game, Jake, as you know, with your interest in the game of baseball, and uh, because there are a lot of difficult days and there are a lot of difficult parts of any job, but uh, certainly in the case of both uh, Terry and Charlie, uh, they have always uh, been dedicated to it and passionate about it. And so uh, I think, again, there are a lot of young people out there today who, who have a passion for the game. And, um, and, and I think understanding some of those steps that have to be taken before you uh, ultimately end up in a position that may seem unreachable is, uh, is very, very uh, important. Terry, on your, on your league, what's been the, um, uh, with the attendance in the Florida State League, what, what have you seen in your assessment of that? And what is it that you're hopeful for? How does the president of a league help these teams grow their attendance on an individual team basis? Well, Fred, we've got two or three that are, you know, lead the way and they have every year and they, and they continue to do so. And, and I think that's what you do. You, you find the other teams, uh, you give them the model that's being used successfully in the league. Uh, I can tell you this, you know, I ran Daytona beach in 1979 and I, I had a, terrible time getting people in the ballpark and the young guys that are up there and ladies that are running that today torn and tortugas uh they're second or third in the league in attendance every year they market the heck out of it you know um so i think that's what you have to do you you find the you find your leaders whether it be the florida state league or in minor league baseball in any league uh and then you, you try to get the other teams to model what they're doing after the guys that do it the best Terry, you mentioned something earlier in the podcast about, um, you know, you're around great people. Um, you just mentioned now about, you know, great people running um, the Tortugas. And, you know, there's a similar kind of theme along the way throughout your career in terms of good people you work for, you know, people that you attach yourself to, people that, you know, uh, hire you like Fred or, or whoever, whomever, right, that, um, you really stay close to the whole the whole way. What what advice do you have for people that are trying to get into the industry or those who are in the industry to recognize maybe who those people are, and then also to understand um, what maybe what characteristics make up those types of people typically. Well, it's a great point, and it's one of the things that, in my opinion, we're kind of losing in the game. Uh, you know, back when I was starting out. And I was in Albuquerque. If if uh, Al Campanis or Bill Schweppe or Ben Wade came to our ballpark, it was like the president came to town. You know, we rolled out the red carpet. We did all we could do for them, try to sit with them at dinner and pick their brain and do all you could. And uh, to me, that's the right way to do it. I mean, those are the people that um, have set the tone for the organization and the tone for the Dodgers at the time was, uh, you know, we expected to win championships and this is how we did our job. And this is how you went about your business. And to me, that would be the, the main piece of advice I would give young guys today is when you find that person, you know, that, that you respect, whether it's Fred Clare or Charlie Blaney or Willie Sanchez, or, you know, whoever that guy is in the organization that you learn from them, uh, you stay close to them, you listen to their advice, you respect them. Uh, and I'm glad you asked because before I got off of this, I was going to say if there's anybody that, that people could learn from, and I'm sure they have over the podcast, is that would be Fred. There's nobody who's been 
more um, more of a mentor, more of a, a friend, somebody that you know stuck up for what he believed in, uh, stuck to his guns, uh, and never backed down, and and never gave in to uh, pressure when he thought something should be done that he didn't think was right, and. Um, I respect him for that to this day and, and think that uh, that was the reason the Dodgers were successful because we had a bunch of people that had those same beliefs. Terry, I, I appreciate that. And uh, I want to make the point also that uh, there are many people in the game that uh, are approachable and the game is changing. Yes, but there are still the scouts there and the young person shouldn't have the fear or be concerned about um, should I introduce myself? Can I introduce myself? Because the answer to that is yes, because I think that uh, what that young person will find is that the person that they're turning to, to let them know that they have an interest, that they want to learn, uh, will find a, uh, in the most part, a receptive person, a receptive audience, because all of us in the game have been helped and have learned uh, from others. And, uh, and in that, there's really an obligation to, uh, to help. And that's one of the reasons, Terry, as you know, why we have this um, podcast and with um, uh, longtime uh, friends, uh, Andy Dolich and Pat Gallagher involved, uh, if you add up our experience in sports, I'm afraid it's a larger number than we care to, <laughs> than we care to think about. You talk about analytics. Yeah. Uh, the computer would probably go crazy. Uh, but uh, but uh, uh, people want to help, and, and people will help. And, and so I think that if there's one point that we can leave the young person with is don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, and, and the answer may be uh, no answer or no interest. Okay, uh, that's fine. You, um, you move on from, um, from that standpoint. But I, I think that the, um, one's passion should never be uh, diminished. And um, it's such a small uh, world, Willie, when, uh, 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 Terry, when you talk about um, your start at Albuquerque more than 40 years ago. And uh, Willie Sanchez uh, being there, who remains a friend uh, to both of us today, and Rob Ogle, the grandson of, uh, of Walter Austin. And those are some of the real um, treasures and relationships in our life. And I think that's one of the great things, Terry, and you can speak to it yourself about friendships and relationships that you formed in the game that maybe uh, maybe it's similar in other businesses, the banking business or government. I don't know. I can't speak to it, but I can speak to the people who have been involved in our game and the, uh, uh, the friendships that are shared. Yeah. It's a, it's a very special bond. And to this day, uh, you know, Rob Ogle, I, I've lived in Cincinnati for 16 years and, and Rob's parents live in Dartown, Ohio, which you well know, Fred, is, you know, 30 miles from Cincinnati. And when he comes to town, we get together and I go to Dartown and have dinner at his house. And, <laughs> um, 
you know, it's uh, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, and I'm, and I'm sure that happens in other walks of life, too. But I mean, when you're in a baseball stadium with a guy for, you know, 80 games a year and you're there for 16 hours a day, you get to know him pretty well. And you, you really do establish some great relationships. Terry, can't thank you enough for for the words of wisdom and insights. Uh, I got one last question for you and, and we'll kick it to Fred to, to wrap it up. But. Um, as you look back on your career thus far, and, and um, you kind of mentioned it was the job you've got now is almost like a culmination of all your experiences, and you probably couldn't have guessed that was going to happen. Um, but as you look back at your career, what's the one thing that you're most proud of? Uh, you know, I think that uh, we've kind of touched on it throughout this, and that, that is the relationships uh, that I've made and with the people that, you know, that I've been through this with, uh, you know, to see your son end up be- being in the game, to have a person like Fred ask you to be on a podcast, to be a league president with Charlie Blaney, or to have dinner with Rob Ogle, uh, to talk to the guys in Cincinnati now and watch them sign their first player from Asia. Uh it's hard to put, you know, a finger on what that exactly is. But for me, that's probably the neatest part. Terry, uh, we wish you the very best with the Florida State League. And uh, I know that you will have great success there as you've had throughout your career. We appreciate you uh, being with us and look forward to uh, seeing you along the way. My pleasure, guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs>